You're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. Another episode of the NRL Supercoach All Stars podcast. This is Barnsley back again ahead of round 10. And joining us tonight is actually the 2014 overall Supercoach champion, Dave Von Kotz. VK, it's been a fair while since I've had you on a podcast and we've been able to chat and stuff. How's it been going this year in the Supercoach world? Um, yeah, going okay. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. I've actually. Really love this year. I love the new format. I've loved the madness of it. And uh, I've been saying to a few people, I honestly feel like I've turned the corner this year when I can own someone. Um, sorry, when I can not own James Tedesco, him get 199 and be actually filthy that he didn't break the record, you know, watching that game. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm actually absolutely loving the new format. I love how. Each week you can just make little sneaky trades. You can trade guns down and know you're going to get them back in a couple of weeks. Just totally different to what we're used to. Yeah, it's good fun. Yeah, it's been a breath of fresh air. I think everybody's um, everybody that I've had on and I've spoken to on this podcast this year has said the same thing. It's been very different, but uh, I found it really enjoyable, just something a little bit different, but I've also found it a little bit more frustrating at times too because of the swings and everything at the moment and all these bloody head-to-head teams, which I whinge about to... Right in the mix now. There'll be a, I'll tell you what, there'll be like a, a head to head gun that has 10 cash comps going and stuff that'll end up inadvertently taking this out. I can see it now. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go through market watch first, mate. We're going to go the top ins and outs and also um, a few guns, some value cheapies, mid ranges and some pods. Let's start off with the top ins and outs though, because that's what the market's doing at the moment as far as trades go. And Probably the first guy to talk about is one that I actually initially looked at. Um, and when I did, I was quite surprised at how poor he's gone previously. And that is Crichton at the Penrith Panthers. So he's coming off a huge score, put up well over a ton after updates, scored some great tries against that Penrith's victory over the Sharkies. But when I was having a look at his stats and stuff, I was pretty surprised at what he's done beforehand. I was all set to bring him in. And then I had a look and, you know, I've seen so many people talking about him and his numbers before this 110 explosion that he's just had didn't really fill me with a lot of confidence. So I've actually gone off him, but quite a few teams are putting him in and he's in the top 10 at the moment. His numbers before this last round uh, of 115 points was 75, which is pretty decent. But he scored a double in that 75. And then before that, it's where it really falls off for me. It went 49, 40, 29, 30, 51, 44, 35. The first two rounds you can discount because he was um, a bench player. But before the last two rounds, he's basically averaged 38 points. And that was really concerning to me. Some of those included some clutch attack and stuff. So at 432k, I feel like guys that got on, you know, a couple of weeks ago are cheering. He's got a minus 33 BE, but I'm actually a little bit hesitant now to have a look at him as an option. Have you looked at Crichton? Are you are you thinking about bringing him in? I did. I think it's a perfect week to upgrade uh, Bradman Best. Unfortunately, the last month has shown us that he um, he was 
just yeah, stock standard cash cow. He made a lot of good money for us, but I, I really think uh, look, he's got reasonably good base stats as well. But I think if you could just upgrade to either Crichton at four thirty two, or the other one I was looking at is Ikevalu. I'm sure we'll talk about him at four thirty five. My reasoning is using those blokes to springboard to a David Nofaluma who's gonna who's got a BE of one thirty this week. I can springboard, um, you know, in a couple of weeks through one of those two players. The thing is, so Crichton's just got, as you said, those those inconsistent centers. But think about it. There's not many other than Nofaluma and I guess Lomax recently who are who have got that consistency. And that's also taking out Isaiah. Yeah, of course. Um, but you look at Crichton's next three, Cowboys, Titans, Sea Eagles. You talk about a springboard. If he uh, gets a couple, because I, I love the way the Panthers are going this year. I'm, if the Chooks go out, I'm on that bandwagon. I just love the way they're <laughs> playing, you know. So he's got the Cowboys, Titans, Sea Eagles in his next three. You know, you could possibly, I don't see him as, he could definitely be a pod for you you know, in the home stretch, but I see him as a great springboard opportunity to get the Nofaluma. You could end up maybe getting their uh, straight swap or even get a little bit of change, depending how the next two weeks go for Nofa. Yeah, it's a really good point with the springboard. Um, I, I thought about that a little bit, admittedly not as much as um, what you're selling me on now, and I'm starting to rethink it again. Oh, the centre wing spot's just been really... Really crap most of the year. Um, so I think that there's a lot of people that are searching for some different options. Um, I don't like Crichton as a... I think where I've gone off him is that some people have looked at him as a slam dunk, bring him in, and he could and he could be a keeper because of the last couple of weeks. But the scores before that kind of stick scared me off. But you're right, with the matchups that he's got against the Cows and the Titans and Manly, um, you know, it's a good few-week punt at the very least. And I guess... The, Minus 33 BE, the worst thing that can happen is that he makes you at least 100 grand and you can move him on to someone else. So it definitely makes sense. Uh, makes more sense now that you've talked me through it. So thanks, mate. You've, you've muddied my waters again for who I'm going to trade in my set of weeks. <laughs> Glad to help, mate. Glad to help. Um, <laughs> but don't worry. I think there are so many players, uh, super coach players this week that have got like, it's, this is one of the, the weeks where I feel like the biggest amount of options that we have with, you know, um, that, uh, firmer on the, you know, on the bubble and things like that. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of wide variety of trades made this week, I think. Yeah. And there's a lot of options that are actually, and some of these we won't get to talk about, but there's a lot of options this week of guys who have either bottomed out and gotten really low value and guys that are sort of made a bit of money and look like they've got job security, which is where Crichton falls. So that's 300 to 450 K range. There's a real mid range, um, option at the moment of, 15 odd players. So it's a really interesting trade week. Um, let's move on from Crichton though. The next guy that's getting a fair bit of love on the trading market is the guy that you just mentioned a moment ago, Furmore at the Gold Coast Titans. I actually tweeted that he was looking pretty bad last round. I think he was on a negative point or uh, around half time. If not, it was two or three points he might have got himself up to. But he ended up scoring a try right near the end that got him an extra 17 points, and he finished on 40. So he yeah, managed to salvage it, but it didn't look great. But, you know, scoring, scoring, 40 points. He ended up getting 76, obviously, the round before. It means he's got a minus 55 BE in his base rookie price. 
We spoke about him last week because he was the number one guy to get in, and we sort of said you could probably go early on him, but there's a bit of security issues. Now that he's um, coming up to his third game, 13.1% of coaches are trading him in. He's the number one trading player at the moment. I understand why, because he is a really good downgrade option. I guess, you know, with him, one of the things that I've thought about being devil's advocate on it is maybe, you know, Proctor comes back in a week and you just get that one cash rise out of him or something, or, you know, the Gold Coast times are a little bit hard to, to decide between. I guess it comes down to VK. Do you need to make a lot more money at the moment? Or if you don't think that you need to, you know, maybe you could go for enough instead at this point, or are you against that sort of strategy? I actually considered for the first time last week uh, to start keeping my you know eyes open for a uh, for enough that's got that center wing second row uh, dual positioning there just so I can move Isaiah you know if need be there but um, look just in regards to this firmo look he's a huge downgrade option for I know you've got Tarpanay, so do I Katoa's coming back this week but maybe people want to get rid of him now before he drops in cash but that firm will definitely do the job, you know, but I just think coming up against Melbourne Panthers and Roosters in his next three, even though he's playing on the edge, um, I just think you've also, I don't see him being definitely one of the cheapies of the year. I almost see him being a couple of weeks, smash grab and then go and then, but the main benefit he has this week is that, um, that downgrade option to provide cash for people that are going to try and get a Munster or try and get a Tedesco. Yeah, I guess he's one of those guys where it's just about expectations. Where it's don't expect him to make two hundred grand. Uh, if you need the downgrade and some cash to make in the meantime, just go for it. But if you're going to miss out on him, it's not someone that you've got to scramble to get into your side at all. Yeah, the only problem that that look that you mentioned before, if Proctor comes back. The last thing you want is that all of a sudden he starts coming off the bench now and plays twenty, thirty minutes, and then it's an absolute wasted trade and an AE nightmare. Yeah, exactly, and that's sort of why I've been starting to think about Nuffs because I, I've got all, some of these guys that you've mentioned, like Katoa, Tarpany, uh, Brown from the Warriors as well. There's all these guys that a lot of us have. Best almost falls in this category now as well where you got to get rid of them, uh, and I, I've just got like seven or eight of these guys to try and get rid of before they leave <laughs> too much cash. So yeah. you don't want an extra headache to try and get out in two weeks as well. Yeah, agreed. Um Next guy we're going to chat about is Pangai. So TPJ, Wilfred's favourite. Can I just let you in on a, a little secret that you can rib Wilfred about? He actually left TPJ on the bench on the weekend. He got sucked yeah. into the MILF train all over again and benched TPJ to play Milford. <laughs> I actually, we're in a similar league, so I always go through and have a little look and see how everyone's going. And I saw finally he's turned the corner now. He's uh, he's left Milford on the bench. Well done. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> I see him back there for a stinky forty odd points there, and just uh, Pangai absolutely slaying it. Uh, he's definitely uh, look. I've always been a fan of him just because. Because I love I love an offloader, and um, he's got that five game average of seventy eight. But the difference is he hasn't had a stinker at all. Um, no score below sixty. So look, look, he's he's still a pretty good option there if you want to. People want to get rid of maybe Safidi or something like that. What do you reckon? 
Well, he's 580k, so I think he was a lot more appealing at his 540 mark. He's starting to get towards that sort of 600 now, but it's it's a real love-hate relationship I've got with him, you know, because he's got that, that injury history and he's got that um, suspension history as well, where he's a little bit like Nathan Brown, who we'll talk about later too. It's a big risk, and I brought him in twice now, where he's gotten hurt straight away, or he's gotten suspended for four weeks. So it's it's pretty tough. But you're right; he's gone from 61 to 114 points the last month as his range, and he's his attack can't be ignored. On the weekend, he's got 114 points with his try that he scored, and he didn't even have a line break with that try. And I think he had six effective offloads. So yeah. He's just—he's one of those great forwards that you can have. But one of the caveats on the weekend is that he got moved to prop for the first time, and he played 49 minutes. Now, to give Wilfred a little bit of credit, the reason that Wilfred did bench him, and I agreed with him at the time in a chat I was having with him, was it was a worry that he was going to play, you know, 55 minutes or less, and he ended up playing 49. So I guess the question is, VK, like, if he gets around 50 minutes again, is that going to be enough? for him to keep scoring 60s in only a 50-minute role at the Broncos? Um, I guess at that price, you, you've definitely got to consider it. But you look at a lot of the, the top front rowers, at least, a lot of them are playing around that time, you know. Or um, Fafita was an option for all those years playing around that time. And I guess in so many ways, Fafita and Pangai have that similar game. So, um, look, not, he's not really an option for me when i got someone like... A, at Carrigan just playing out of his skin in the last two weeks. And I'm preferring to try and make my money, sorry, save my money in, in trades and use it for gun centers or pods, you know, switching around my halves when there's not going to be that big a point spread from a Carrigan to a Pangai over, over the long run, I don't think. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, Carrigan got 80 minutes on the weekend somehow. So if he keeps doing that, he's just going to be awesome to hold on to now. But yeah, Pangai's just that, he's just that little bit too much expensive. And one of the comparisons I'll make too, I really like your Fafita comparison because you're right. He does really have that type of game where he has a high base attack where he can get the tackle breaks and offloads. But the other comparison, if you, if you compare him to some of the other top front row forward guys, he's, he just doesn't have the base that they do. Like, Obviously, Huss is in a world of his own, but when you look at a David Clemmer, my pod Paulo, um, or even some of the other guys that are around as well, they've got base, raw base stats of sort of 55 plus at least. You know, some of these guys are throwing up 65 base. He's throwing up base in the 40s at the moment. Um, and even on the weekend when he was playing in the middle, he had a raw base of 49. So that's, that floor, I guess, is my concern with him. I just don't think there's enough value. I think that there's so many value buys, like we said, where you can get guys in for a lot less at the moment in the next week or two, paying probably top price for Pangai. I think that you've got better options. Yeah, well, I got to power in last week, and he's still only 4.33 this week for, for what he's produced in the past and that ability to be that, um, you know, that, that third front rower or that you want. It's just I think there's a lot of value in him as well to save it, what's that 150k you're going to save? Yeah, I mean, let's talk about Tapao because he isn't in that, he isn't in that top 10 traded in at the moment and he probably is someone that's gone a little under the radar. Um, we mentioned him briefly last week, but you're right, he's a good comparison to, to TPJ because he's $150,000 less than what TPJ is. In the last two weeks, 
He's gone 61 and 69 points. Now, I've been a little bit worried about Tapao's minutes, and they still haven't gone up. Like, I think a lot of people thought that when Fanua Blake got suspended, that that Tapao was going to get all these extra minutes, and he actually played less minutes. It's the second least that he's played all year at 44 minutes on the weekend, but he still scored 69 points. So his output in PPM's actually gone up the last couple of weeks. Uh, And at 430k, 28 BE... If you need a budget one, you know, maybe saving 150k and, and getting to power in and using that money elsewhere is a smarter strategy. Yeah, it is. And uh, yeah, just to reiterate what you said, I actually marked down to say that he only played 44 minutes. The, where he got the score was he had the offload out, which, uh, you know, got him an extra, I think, 10, 12 points there. So that's definitely something to consider. And when Fanua Blake gets there, gets back, like, I think, you know, he, he's a great target to, to have just for that ability to get over the line. But as I said, to Powell's just there, just in case one of my starting two front rowers go down and I'm mainly talking towards the end of the season and head to head finals, you know, just having a backup there. So I don't have to use someone like a Rudolph or something like that in that, in, in the spot or a Josh Kerr. Yep. And I mean, to Powell, even if to starts to go down, he'll, he'll probably still make a hundred grand in the next four weeks or something. Um, if he keeps going how he has been. So you can always trade him on a bit later on and make a bit of profit out of it. Um, yeah, get someone like a Clemmer or something who's the, you know, him and Haas are well up the top there. Well, I don't, I'm not going to get into a Paulo argument with you because no one listens to me on Junior, but... <laughs> no, I love Junior. I had Junior last year. As I said, mate, he's an offloader. He's in. He's in the club. I love him. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on with some of the other big ins at the moment. Interestingly, uh, Pappenhausen has actually been traded in as one of the top 10 trade-ins. Now, this is quite the turnaround because a few weeks ago, people couldn't wait to get rid of him, and me and Billy included, because me and Billy were top of his fan club, did the pre-season, and Billy had all the great stats about, you know, perhaps average like 95 points at fullback, and even if he takes a 30-point hit, he's still a 65-point gun and everything else, and he ended up starting to lose money a few weeks ago. And I, I traded him out as well as many other people. And now people are looking at trading him in. His last three weeks, he's still got one stinker in there at 37 against the Roosters. But in round seven, he threw up 126 points with a double. And last round against Canberra, he blitzed him for 106 points. So he's now 550k. Um, he does still have a BA of 57, but he's coming up against the Gold Coast Titans. I can definitely see all the appeal. Obviously, people are going a lot of the time Ponga over to Pappenhausen. That's unfortunately a straight swap at the moment. Where are you on, on Pappenhausen? And also, if you had traded him out a few weeks ago, have you seen enough to maybe turn it around and get him back in? Pappenhausen can absolutely beat it. I uh, he, Look, great. He's got a five-game average of 65. Whoopee. Three of those scores are 37 or below in that, in that last five. So, yeah, he's killed it, you know, every second week. And... Uh, especially when I'm trying to get consistency to try and get a few victories up in these uh, cash head-to-head leagues. <laughs> he is not the <laughs> bloke I want in my team. And, I, and I'm and i still just so filthy at myself that I didn't have the balls to follow through on just saying, forget what everyone in the crowd's doing. Go Teddy and Turbo from the start. Just pay the money because those blokes are worth it. So, yeah, as you can see, I, I'm, I'm not a Pap fan anymore. I'm not either, only because he's burnt me so much. I understand people getting him in for... I mean, after the Gold Coast, they do have the Broncos, so that Queensland doubles 
quite appealing. I think fullbacks have scored really well against the Broncos as well. I think that the fullback spot, there's just going to be other guys that you're going to want. So it might be a one-round one wonder. But one of the things that... I don't mean to blame the Melbourne Storm for this, VK, but they they seem to just have all their strike players don't seem to go off when you expect them to. Like, I've spoken about Munster in length with um, with Billy before, how you can get him in for the, the games like the Titans and Warriors and stuff. And he throws up a 40, and then he throws up 160 against our, our Roosters. Like, I don't know what it is with Storm players, but it just seems really hard to predict. So, I mean, Pappenhausen is just as likely to go out this week and score a 45. And with Pappenhausen's season at the moment, you know, 90% of his scores have been below 60. So, it's just as likely you're going to get a 40 out of him this week against the Titans anyway. So, it's, it's definitely a no for me. I think it's just too too volatile. I think... What I usually look for in, there's not many players like this. I look for the, the harder run, the better for Munster, because that's when he, he sees the majority of the ball. And I learned that last year. I had him and put the C on him, I think, when they were playing the Gold Coast, inspecting a million points, and they, they just didn't really go to him. So I, I definitely think he's, Munster's someone that I want to sort of be getting in towards the end of the year. I, I think he's well up there. And, you know, I owned him for a massive 40 minutes against the, the, the um, Warriors. Yeah, I, I definitely look for the harder draw, the better for Munster. Yeah, I had I had Munster, like we were chatting earlier, uh, for that same game I traded him in for. And I was choosing between Cleary and Munster. And obviously, Cleary just ended up with a ton and Munster ended up with 54 points, which was great. He's 40 minutes, but got injured. And I actually rage traded him straight away. Um, didn't wait, just got rid of him. I can't possibly bring him in again <laughs> at the moment anyway. I'm still angry with him about that week. But I think that it's it's a little bit hard because a lot of people are looking at Munster this week, but I'm a little bit wary that he's he's coming back early from injury as well. Like he's done this before where Bellamy's actually, you know, pulled him out at the last minute before and not actually played him. Um, even though he was scheduled to return and change the lineup, and other times as well, he's come back and he's gotten injured again. So, are you at all? Would you at all be concerned about the fact that he's coming back from injury as well? Yeah, definitely. And you, I definitely wouldn't be making that trade until an hour before kickoff, and I actually see that he started. Just you know, I always love listening to everything that the NRL physio says, and it says while he might have started with a grade one, playing the rest of that that half, which he did, uh, could have possibly turned it into a grade two. So that's definitely something to be wary about. Yep. Yeah, I wouldn't be bringing him in. And I, I think there's some better halves options to bring in at the moment. And we're going to talk about those shortly. Uh, moving along, though, another uh, gun in at the moment that a lot of people are still bringing in. And this has been the case for a few weeks now. James Tedesco, we were always going to get to him on this podcast. We basically did a, a third of the pod last week just on the Roosters team. Um, Teddy's looking like he might be the first million-dollar man. He's put up 178 points against the Cowboys last weekend. Before that, he threw up 180 against the Storm. He's now got four tons out of seven games, and one of them's a double ton almost. It is just... <laughs> It is just outrageous. He's got a three-round average of 116, a five-round average of 130, 936,000. I had Guy Feeney on, another past champion last week, and his advice was just get Teddy in. My advice was I agree with you, just get Teddy in. Everyone would be kicking themselves this week that they didn't. Should they be breaking the bank entirely and just getting Tedesco in? Uh, he's coming in for me this week. 
here. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going early on Gutho. Gutho's still got another week, but I just, just watching last week, I was just going, I cannot be one more week without this guy. Every, it was, uh, three cash head to head leagues done and dusted on Thursday night. All of them had Teddy as captain. So it was just, it was just horrific, you know, but, um, yeah, and you know the worst thing is just having a little look at it. So, you know, it, we were saying at the start, yeah, okay, he's quite expensive. I think he's proven that he's well worth that. So he's only 150k more than that starting price. That, that's the scary thing. So you think of all the players throughout the first 10 rounds that you've made 150k on easy. Just pay the money, get this guy in, um, and just, and then you can just sit back and relax. And then just know that every fourth game he'll be out for some reason, but he's still just worth having in because he's just he's next level. He's a captaincy option every week as well, and it's just it's he's actually got a really quite a good matchup this week against Canberra. Uh, I think that's one of the other things too that a few people sort of thought, oh, I missed the Cowboys game where he could go well, but you know against Canberra it's going to be tougher. Canberra's got. Hodgson out now, they've got Simonson out, um, they've got other guys that they already had out coming into this round, and they're playing quite poorly, really. Uh, the, I'm expecting the Roosters could, could win 20-plus against Canberra with how decimated they are. So Teddy could very well be in for another ton this week. Yeah, look, I actually thought, I thought with Radley out, it was something I was going to have a little look at, just because he links up so much with Radley, as well as Radley having such an important role in the Roosters' attack, I thought he might get starved of a few opportunities. And, and it looked like that against the Storm a little bit, you know, when they were a little bit clunky. But the guy's just, he's just going to find points. And he's, he's definitely on the, uh, the, the good side of the scorers. And uh, <laughs> even if it's, if it's even <laughs> close, he gets, he gets the try assist. So, you know, it's going to be good. To, to just be on maybe the side of that, unless people blowing up enough has, uh, will, will change that. But, uh, you just gotta have him in. The, the funniest thing with that is that, like, I, I see the posts on, on Central and stuff all the time, and it's like, oh, 178 points, Unicorn shouldn't have got that try assist. Manu should have got it. You know what? Joey Manu probably should have got it, but, you know, you're saying what? He, he shouldn't be 178. He should just be 165. Like, it's just, exactly. It's a, yeah, and that's it. I've still, instead of getting, I'm still dusted in all three of my head to head leagues, you know, and there's one sure way to fix it. Just pay up and get him in. Yep. <laughs> and I'm going to go on a 30 second tirade here before we move on, uh, just with all the Teddy, um, complaints and everything about how he scores. He, he, to me, is like a super coach player that we've never seen before. And to put things in perspective, he's a fullback who averages the most offloads out of any fullback. He's leading the league in tackle breaks. And so that base attack that he has alone is humongous compared to other options. He's always going to get bulk points just because of that. Put in the fact that he averages, he averages close to the top amount of runs in the league. Every time he runs, yeah, every second time he's getting a tackle break, and one in four, he's getting an offload just about. Like, he's just, he's offloading, tackle breaking, and work rate is better than anyone at fullback. So he's always going to get bulk points, guys. He doesn't even need clutch attack to hit 70. Doesn't even need a line break, try, assist, or try. He doesn't need any of that. He can do it just on his runs, offloads, tackle breaks. So Finish for you. He's going to score well against anyone. He's an absolute beast, and, and you're right. That's what I was going to say. I think that's what sort of even... Steps him, puts him a step ahead of, uh, Turbo 
uh, where Turbo and him have just, you know, they're so central to that attack and get so many tries, this line break assists and tries, it's that tackle-busting ability. Every time he runs the ball back, it's a four- or six-point run from a couple of tackle busts. So 100% with you there. And I think he leads the league in possessions as well. So one of the byproducts of Kronk not being there anymore and Flano just being sort of a young shuffle-pass type of half is that Teddy gets all the attack goes through. So like VK said, just get him in, guys. (laughs) Yeah, like I said. Get him in after round 10. <laughs> Season gone. <laughs> oh, I'm so surprised that you didn't have him in as a Roosters fan, but also how you were talking about him. Like, oh, I thought you would have already had him for sure. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it was that, uh, that crucial week of poor planning when, uh, for the, I had him set to come in against the Broncos when he had to pull out, but then the week after I had to get Harry Grant. And I had to get Bradman best because I just you just couldn't pass up that cash, and then that was it. That's all she wrote. But anyway, moving on. Make sure you get him this week, guys. If anyone out there doesn't have the cash this week, and I've seen a few teams, free up the cash with the double downgrade. Get down to Firmore, get down someone else, and just get him next week. Um, so let's talk about the outs. So one of the top players traded out at the moment is Kalen Ponga. Really divided opinion on this one, and I understand why as a Ponga owner. I will say though. <laughs> But he had 24 points live on the weekend, and he updated to 38. And I counted that as a bit of a small victory for myself because I couldn't deal with 24, but 38 is a little bit more manageable. He's got a three-round average of 39 and a five-round of 52. No doubt that his attack hasn't been great. Newcastle's attack hasn't been great. Got to be of 145. Seems to be two camps of people, VK, the people that just want to see Ponga out of their side and never see him again. People like myself that still have a bit of faith that the guy that was averaging, you know, 80s up until a month ago can still do it, and we just got to wait and be a little bit patient with him. Um, and I, I just sort of thought that, you know, I've got Ponger and Teddy at the back at fullback. Um, I can't really afford to do a bit of a sideways trade with Ponger out when I've got some centre wings that are sticking it up, um, a couple of forwards that are sticking it up. I just think that your team's stronger. Um, if you can fix up those other areas. So for me, I'm just going to hold him and just deal with the the cash I'm going to lose. I mean, he's 550k at the moment anyway. To put that in perspective, you'd cost you 200 grand just to go to Clint Gutherson at the moment from Caelan Ponga. So I, I understand why people are jumping off. I don't think I could say to anyone not to based on his form, but I do believe that he is going to come good, so I think it's fine to hold him. Where are you standing on Ponga? Is he in the Pappenhausen bracket of never again, or where nah, are you? No, look, I, look, I actually thought we were going to sort of disagree on this. He's a controversial hold for me too. I think. Uh, remember when Teddy played for the Tigers and he would go on stints of you know averaging eighty or whatever, but then it was like the teams would read that he was always going to be getting the ball from that second line play, and they were just shutting it down. And then that's where Teddy used to pull out scores of 30s and stuff like that. I just think they'll work it out. The, the, you know, the frequent head knocks are a little bit of a worry. And he definitely hasn't looked himself over the last couple of weeks. But look, I, I just, there's no way I can sell him. Um, it's coming up against the Bunnies this week in a daytime game. I'm pretty sure it's a daytime game that have got, um, they've got a changed up back line. Uh, sorry, it might not be the day. It's the Bulldogs. When he plays the Bulldogs at home at 2 p.m. next Sunday. So you think about how many points the Bulldogs have given up to fullbacks. Uh, I, th- I think I'm just going to hold him and I'm going to sort of ride the wave with him. Yeah, I'm going to ride it all the way with you, mate. So we're either going to 
uh, look like champions or crash and burn. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm, look, I, I really want to just hold him and Bo eventually gets back and then move up. The the only other one that I'll consider is, his name's just slipped me, who's that guy only available at fullback for the Panthers that scored a million points oh, last week? Oh, Staines, Staines, yeah. Yeah, so I'd definitely entertain that idea. The only problem is with Ponga's break even of 145, he's probably going to anything you make on stage, you're going to lose anyway in the next couple of weeks. So it'll more than likely at this point, unless he turns it around against Bunny's Bulldogs, just just hold him and then see if he can sort of turn it around and get it back. Yeah, and I will say before we finish on Ponga, the other reason that I'm actually holding is because he's got the Roosters and Storm in the next 11 games, but everybody else that he's got is actually a really good one. So the Bulldogs in two weeks, obviously, like you said, VK looks really good. From round 13, he's got the Tigers, uh, Decimated Manly, the Cowboys, the Warriors, the Sharks, a hard Roosters game, and then finishes off on the Dragons and Titans. So his second half of season draw is actually really good, starting with Souths this week as well, who are missing Latrell. I, I actually think that people are going to want him in the next couple of weeks, and I think that he... I, I actually said to something the other day, I'm glad that people are selling because I'd rather his ownership to be lower, because I genuinely think this next 10 rounds, he'll go back to what he was. Because the Knights can't succeed if he's not firing. And, and we haven't really seen him play this poorly for an extended period of time. So I'm all the way with you. I'm, I'm riding him all the way. Um, best his teammate. I, I got rid of two weeks ago. You're getting rid of this week. It makes sense that he's one of the most traded out players. So we probably don't need to discuss him as much. I, I think we both agree that he's a trader. Yeah, correct. Uh, but one of the last trade-outs that we're going to talk about is Kikau, and I'm really a little bit surprised that he's in the top 10 most traded out, which is why I flagged him. Billy Kikau is actually someone, VK, that I'm looking at getting in this week, and you know he has been disappointing. He only scored 30 points on the weekend. Um, before that, it's 53 and 45 for his three-round average of 43, five-round average of 45, but you know what? He's had some tougher games, and he's a bit of a strike weapon, and that's why I'm looking at him this week. 440k, he fits that bracket of those sort of cheaper guys that have fallen down 100k from their starting price now. And he's going to hit a Cowboys edge that has been very weak, followed by a Titans edge that has been very weak, followed by decimated Manly and Canberra sides and then into the Warriors. So his next five rounds of football, like we know about Penrith, is actually really good. And his next two weeks are against really poor edge defence. So I'm looking at him like he, he might score some tries the next two weeks. Um, and I, I, if I owned him, I'd definitely be holding him. So I don't really understand why so many are trading him out, but I might have rose colored glasses because I do like the big fellow quite a bit. I had, um, yeah, kick out last year and, uh, you know, I've had him a couple of years in the past. And I think the problem that's scaring a few people off, you got, uh, Tamalolo, Madison and Crichton just getting it done every week yep. and they're getting those consistent high scores. So if you don't have those three, I, I really think you're sort of behind on the second row. And where Kickout really has benefit, I think, is if you're as a Hail Mary shot to win a head-to-head uh, week or towards the end of the season. Because, yeah, he's really, really streaky. Um, and, yeah, there's not many people, you know, tougher to stop close to the line. It's just that lack of consistency that he's always had that I think is the issue. Yeah, and look, he's got a 31 base, which is horrendous. Like, he's, he's not going to be a guy that you can rely on as one of your starters, I agree. I'm someone who's got Crichton 
Uh, I've got that start, starting three. Kickout would be on my bench as a reserve, and I think he's a good bench option if you don't have those other forwards like VK said. Certainly, it's fine to trade him. I just try and find other guys too because wouldn't surprise me if Kickout makes a hundred grand the next few weeks, um, and definitely. I reckon might be cool the next two weeks. He's going to average 75 plus across the next couple of weeks for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty oh, confident huge. in that. Let's move on to some of the pods. Two forwards that we'll talk about together. Now, these guys, one of them was one that I pinpointed last week in Takiaho. He was someone I was really interested in. I, I mentioned if I had a third and fourth trade last week, I would have brought in Kiri and Takiaho, but I didn't. And obviously both of them went off, so of course they did. But... <laughs> Tauk's got 92 points on the weekend. Um, he did have a line break with that, but he had raw base of 68. Uh, and I mentioned that it looks like his minutes are actually going to be on the increase. 68 minutes on the weekend. Um, the, the weeks before that, he had 65 and 80 minutes and subsequently scored 69 and 87 points. So five-round average of 68, three-round average of 83, largely under the radar, 550K. And Nathan Brown is another forward option as a pod that's now emerged now that he's returned to football from his suspensions. He threw up 82 points on the weekend. Um, 80 of that was in pure base. But he did play 80 minutes, mainly because Junior Paulo went off with back spasms in the 29th minute. But it does show you what a beast he is with his PPM. It's always at one P- at a 1 PPM. Um, so he really looks like... He's coming into his own. I guess the, the risk with Brownie is that he's going to get suspended or injured, but he looks, him and Kickout around that 550k mark, they look like pod value to me. And if I had, again, a third and fourth trade this week that I don't have, I'd really like to bring these guys in as well. Yeah, look, as a player, uh, Nathan Brown, I've always been a huge fan of, but he's just, he's let me down too much because he's just one of those guys that will not coast at any point. Any tackle, he tries to take someone's head off. So he either gets himself suspended or injures himself, damages, stuffs his peck or something, just trying to absolutely towel someone up. <laughs> so, like, I sort of put him a little bit on, on the, the, you know, probably never again uh, list. Takiaho, on the other hand, the huge thing is that uh, that three-game, you talked about his three-game average of 82, but he's, the minutes, he's averaged 71 minutes in those last three games. So it seems like when the Chooks get ahead, uh, he's, Robbo seems to save JWH a little bit and doesn't necessarily bring him on for that, that second stint. So I don't know if he's 100% or it's just uh, rotation Robbo uh, working his magic. So that being said, you might have to also be careful. You know, Takiaho plays high minutes for a couple of weeks and then he sort of maybe plays a little bit lower in other weeks. But, yeah, he's absolutely killing it at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, and I, like, I, I actually think that we were talking earlier about um, Pengai Jr. I, I would prefer to get a more pottish Takiyahu in over Pengai Jr. because I think the consistency is better and the four is better. He's a front row forward as well. Uh, but you're right about the minutes. That's why I was looking on the weekend. Um, and JWH is a good point. Corden is getting rested as well uh, quite a bit when they can. And the other thing too is that Radley's out and Butcher isn't even hitting 50 minutes a game. So I think that the injuries and the fact that he's trying to save the other guys is going to benefit Takiyaho because he doesn't seem to take the foot off the pedal with Takiyaho. He's happy for him to play those extra minutes. So the last three rounds, I'm confident enough that Robbo's going to give him more minutes. He only got like 47 minutes a game last year. So I really like him as a buyer. I think 550K is value, and he's actually less money than, um, say, Pengai Jr., yeah, it seems like Robbo's like 
happy to ride blokes as lo- until the minute they get injured whatsoever. Then he pulls them right back. He doesn't muck around with Cordner. Butcher's had a few niggling issues. I would have thought that Butcher would have got so much more than 46 minutes last week and 53 the week before. I would have thought, you know, with Radley out, he would have been getting sort of minimum 60 or at least something. But I guess, um, yeah, he just seems to put anyone really go light on those that are showing any niggling injuries or anything. So I think it's, you know, just from an NRL point of view, I think it's pretty smart because these guys aren't getting any, you know, origin weeks off. Uh, this year, so to try and sort of save them so they're not so cooked for, for finals time. I thought it was encouraging on the weekend that against the Cows, they obviously blitzed him in the second half and he still kept Takiyaho out there for some extra minutes, so I think that's encouraging. Um, you mentioned Butcher. He's one of the, the cheapies that we can possibly look at in the mid-range category, and I earmarked him a couple of weeks ago when he got the role, and he came out against the Storm and he played 53 minutes and scored 49 points, and that wasn't really... That great because he's you know around the 370k mark, um, but against the Cowboys he put up 65 points in only 46 minutes. The minutes are a concern, but he put up a 57 base, and that is really what I kind of expected from Butcher. I said on the on the pod a couple of weeks ago that Butcher's really you know a 1.1 to 1.2 ish type of worker, um, so I really thought that he could he could do a lot with 50 minutes, and we saw that on the weekend. It's just a matter of whether you think that he's going to keep doing that because he's one of those downgrade options, isn't he, where he's 372K. You know, tapping down to him it almost makes 100K, 80-odd K that you can make from that trade to free up money and, and a lot of other forwards that you want to get rid of as well. So do you see him, you know, continuing to perform like he did on the weekend or are those high 40s minutes going to keep coming and it's a bit of a concern? Well, we've only got a sort of a small sample size to work from. So I, I guess it's a sort of, it's, it's a minutes watch, not only over the next week or two, probably sort of like over the next month, I said to see, because it looks as if he's only going to play somewhere between that 45 to 55 minute brackets. As far as bringing him in this week, if you're bringing him in to use his points, you're going to play him. I can see the benefit in that. But you think for nearly 200000 cheaper, you can get that for more in um, and use that cash. Or I think if you're looking for sort of a springboard or someone to make more cash, I think, you know, the, the Crichtons and the Ikevalus and, and, uh, of the world, I think they're the ones that you can look for to, to make a whole heap of cash over Butcher. You know, but if, say, you were going to get rid of Tarpanay and then you've been playing Tarpanay and you play Butcher, I can see the value in that for the points. Yeah, and I think that's, I agree with you 100%. If you're bringing in Butcher, it's because you're going to probably play him or at least have him with some backup in some weeks in the next few weeks. Uh, and for me, my team's pretty decimated. So if I brought in Butcher, it would be to play him and to get the downgrade. And with someone like um, Fermor, like you said, if you brought him in, it's a good downgrade where you're going to get an extra 200k. But then if you have to play him and he throws up 25 points, uh, which he would have on the weekend if he didn't get that try, it becomes a little bit of a points loss and you might be 30 points behind doing that. So definitely a consideration. Um, let's move on. The last couple of pods we're going to talk about are Dragons players and the Dragons don't get, don't get enough love on this podcast. So we're going to give them double love. We're going to talk about two of their players for all the Dragons fans. One of them is a complete shot in the dark and it's a guy that's burnt a lot of us before, but not, I haven't heard one person talk about this guy. And the last couple of weeks, you and Aitken's actually gone pretty well. And we spoke about the fact that in the centre wing spot, there, uh, there really isn't many options. 
Um, Ewan Aitken owned by 1% of teams at the moment. He's now got five weeks in a row where he started in the number three jersey. And Tim Laffey's being moved on, so he's got reasonable security at this point. The last two weeks, he scored 84 and 71 points. There's only one try in that. And the biggest thing is that we saw the Ewan Aitken that we used to know and love a couple of years ago, where he's had sensational base. 46 points in raw base last week, 44 points in raw base the week before. He comes up against a dog side that I expect Saints to put points on after winning 34-4 to against Manly. And then has the Sharks and South, so not a too bad three-week run. And he's got a BE of one. So he ticks a lot of boxes. I guess the one box he doesn't tick is consistency of his performance and whether he's going to keep going on it. We have seen it before from Aitken. It is a complete pot option um, as a centre wing, but he has gone well the last couple of weeks. So do you think that he can keep going on that? Is, am I crazy for looking at him at all? Well, he's always in and about for some point of every season, isn't he, Aiken? Ever since he started, he's always got that little bit of value at some point. I just think, oh, look, break even a one. The amount of points that, say, due to the run coming up that the Panthers and the Roosters have, I guess I'm a little bit sold on an either uh, an Ikevalu, even though it's a riskier one, or Crichton at that price range. But uh, look, I can definitely see it. A definite pod there. But uh, yeah, I think I'll be looking at maybe one of those other two. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I can do it myself. I, I, I had about a 15-minute window where I think every super coach does this. It doesn't matter how long that you've done this for, that you've played super coach. Every single coach goes through this where they see like this shiny thing that they didn't see ever before all year. <laughs> And you see some numbers and stuff, and you go, oh, wow, I'm really sold on this. This looks really good. <laughs> then, then I sort of 15 minutes later said, oh, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the punish with pods are if you think you're on a beauty, and uh, if they get injured or something, no one cares in the first five minutes except for you and the other 25 people that own them. So you need to be careful. Yeah, can't have too many of them. Um, a pod that I like a lot better, and I think that is a buy, is Ben Hunt. So, sounds a little crazy as well, but hear me out on this one. Uh, he's got a BE of 18. He's at 395k, so he's a sensational downgrade option. Like, you can make almost 100k going George Williams down to a Ben Hunt. And he played 80 minutes at Hooker on the weekend. I think that Hooker is his best position, as, as do a lot of people. And it seems like he's been named to start again this week. Uh, it seems like that he's maybe got that job as a starting Hooker now. Scored 70 points on the weekend, 46 of that was raw base, and he's coming up against the Dogs, obviously. Um, I I quite like him as a bit of a downgrade option and to maybe grab some cash over the next few weeks. Uh, ben Hunt is you know, averaging 46 points a game so far this year, but if he's an 80-minute starting hooker, he should be able to average 60-plus pretty comfortably. So at sub-400, I actually see him as a, a pretty fair pod buy. Hmm. Yeah, nice. Not for me. Maybe one for you. People, it's a great chat for people in uh, draft leagues. But uh, if he, if he hasn't been snapped up already, but uh, yeah, not for me. I'm I'm quite happy in the halves. I'll look to try and make my money elsewhere. I just I have no faith in Ben Hunt. That's it. <laughs> I don't either. Um, but as a as a fourth half, if you had to downgrade, I, I reckon that he he deserves a shout and possible consideration. But let's talk about the guns quickly, because there is two halves guns that I think are far better than Ben Hunt's. Um, I've already got Nathan Cleary and Sean Johnson, but if I didn't, uh, geez, I think that they're great trade-ins again this week, and they have been for a few, really. 
Nathan Cleary's um, coming up against the Cowboys and then the Gold Coast Titans, like we mentioned with Penrith's glorious run. It is going to start this week. 79 points on the weekend, uh, and now has a five-round average of 69, a three-round of 77. He is one of those guys, VK, that does upgrade like Teddy does. Like I think he had 60 points on the weekend, and he ended up with 79, and that seems pretty consistent with his scoring. He also didn't kick a, a, a few of those um, uh, goal attempts either because he had a busted ankle, and then he went back to the kicking. So he could have even been in the 80s had he ever attempted those ones as well. He, I said to someone today, someone was looking at Munster, um, and then looking at some other options, all Cleary, and I, and they were going to maybe get Cleary next week, and I said, just get Cleary in right now. I honestly think that if it wasn't for Teddy's form, Cleary would be an outright captaincy option against the Cowboys this week. Yeah, I'm actually going to VC Teddy. Uh, I, I don't know why, but, uh, I think it's because, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, the, with the amount of people I've got out, I haven't really got that much to lose, just, putting the VC on him. You know, I've almost got a free shot at it. But if I don't, I'm going to go Cleary. But there's a little bit sort of weary about it. I, I didn't see that game because I was at work, and then I had a little look because I had him as my VC, and I saw that there were 54 points, and I thought he is going to be on 150, and I could not believe it when I saw him in the 60s. But, um, yeah, it just didn't seem like he, like he was just he was off a little bit. But I think he is... We talk about Haas being, you know, dominant front row forward. I think Cleary is just as high in regards to the halves. He just seems to find points. He's got the base. He's another one that I think just get in. You're lucky to be getting him for 623, I reckon, even though he's got a high break. Even just do it. Yeah, five out of his seven games this year are 70-plus. So he's actually one of those captaincy options in the halves that you can go for, and he's got a pretty good floor. Great buy. Sean Johnson, on the other hand, as well, I've been spruiking for a few weeks, uh, and I'm glad that I got something right, because I got him in three weeks ago, and he's gone 84, 78, and 56. Pretty good three weeks. Against the Panthers side that absolutely towered up the Sharks, getting 56 points for Supercoach was pretty good. Uh, he comes up against his old club, the Warriors, this week, though, and then he has uh, the Dragons and the Broncos in a pretty good three-week stint. He's 580k. He's got a 78 BE. I fully expect him to hit that 78 BE. Um, I think that it's great that he's available at 5'8 as well, but against the Warriors this week, like people that already have Nathan Cleary, I think that Sean Johnson's a decent buy as well. And I, in fact, I like him better than Munster because he's got that goal kicking and he's coming up against the Warriors. And also, he's that little bit cheaper and doesn't have the injury cloud over him. I like him a whole lot more now that Moylan's not in. I... um. I owned him since round three, I think, basically. As soon as he came back, I said, oh, let's get him in and have a crack. And he's still at 2%, uh, but, yeah, he's gone on a, on a brilliant run. But I know I was in a, a chat, a lot of blokes, a couple of blokes captained him that week when he was on about six at half time, and then all of a sudden just sort of dropped the hammer, you know, and a, a bit of it while Moylan went off. So I like him a lot more. Uh, having been owned him in just about every year of Supercoach since I started in 2013. When he's, when he's on during the day, I find he, he's, you know, he's on absolute fire. So to, to come up at 2 o'clock against the Warriors, his old club, you'd think he'd, uh, you know, have something to prove. He hasn't scored a try in a while either. So it wouldn't surprise me if he's sweeping No, look, he's club. definitely... Yeah, I've said it I've said it before earlier this year. He's 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 a different animal to the past. He doesn't have that that show and go. And 
even though he's taking runs, they're more almost hit-ups at times. It seemed like he was almost just taking them because he was copying a little bit of stick. He's been, he's just, he's, he's creating his next level. It's just been fantastic and he's linked well with Katoa, but he just hasn't had that, you know, that ability where you just see him just cut the, cut through the line and, you know, burn the fullback like they're not even there. So that part of him's definitely gone and it's for that reason, while I'm going to keep him all year, when he comes up against these tougher matchups, I'll probably sit him and go for, you know, the, the, the more consistent points of a second row or a, or a top front rower there, but um, oh, he's, he's he's creating fantastic. Last one to have a quick chat about uh, Ikevalu. You mentioned before. Um, we're going to move on to TLT after this, but you did mention him as a bit of a springboard option. He got named, and Ryan Hall actually got dumped. Which <laughs> let's just start off with that. I was quite surprised as a Roosters fan. I said last week, you know, even though he scored five tries for 172 points last week against the Cowboys, which was amazing, he's always for for two years been behind Ryan Hall, uh, and he's still the same player. So I I didn't expect him to be named ahead of Ryan Hall despite his performance last week. Were you were you expecting that as a Roosters fan? Definitely not. I thought, I was just took for granted when I saw that he was named again that um that Morris was out because I thought Hall was definitely next in the pecking order. To be honest, I think whilst Hall doesn't, uh, sorry, doesn't offer that much in attack, but it's just that, uh, playing on the end of that backline, and I just, I guess I'm just trying to channel with everything I've got a Jack Reedus gun of from 2015 and to, to try and <laughs> the whole aim, whether I choose Ikevalu or Crichton, for people that sort of haven't been playing since, you know, a, a long time, Jack Reed was just his lemon who went on the most, oh, I guess he was an international, but he was a lemon super coach wise and just absolutely towed up, was the most expensive player in super coach in 2015. And no one got on because they thought, you know, it's chasing last week's points and he just made squillions. So I guess that's what I'm, you know, I'm trying to channel a Jack Reed-esque run to try and uh, even get a little bit of change for Nofo in a couple of rounds. But he, he could be dropped as early as next week. It's just the it, sometimes you've got to have a bit of a gamble in this game. A lot of the time you do. And if he happens to hold the spot for this week and then next week against the Warriors, it, it, it could be anything. Yeah, it's, it's such a hard call to make because he's got that minus 57 BE. Um, I think the thing that kills him for me... Is that he's 435 grand. You know, if he was 300 or something, I think it makes it a lot easier. Um, but 435k, I guess, I guess, uh, the downside isn't that bad where you can make 80 grand this week and play him. And if you have to trade him for an 80 grand profit the week after, well, it's not the worst case scenario. There's guys that we hold as cheapies for four weeks to make 80 grand and have to punt him anyway. The worst case scenario isn't that bad, but the best case scenario is maybe he goes on a bit of a scoring run. And I mean, if he goes, 75 point average the next few weeks, or better yet, for five or six weeks, ends up keeping Tupo spot warm for him until he returns from injury. He could end up at 200 grand plus um, profit pretty easily, pretty quickly, and then you're just about downgrading to someone like Nofo at that point. Yeah, well, I guess you just got to look at your own personal situation. I can either hang on to Bradman Best and flog a dead horse there and hope he goes on another run. He's got a break even of 81, or I can. You know, pay up what fifty odd grand or whatever, and just have Igavalu who's going to make money just walking on the field. And anyone outside James Tedesco at the moment is is just cashing in. And I think I worked it out like if you you don't even have to look at his projections. 
scores. I think if he gets two scores of 50, he's going to make well over 100K, which, uh, as I said, it's all about, for me, my you know team strategy and everything, getting to NOFO. Yeah, I, I think he's pretty appealing. All right, so let's move on to TLT. Um, interesting round, this one. Um, first game is our Roosters versus the Raiders, and... Big Roosters news is Brett Morris is back, like we said. Ryan Hall dropped and Ikevalu in, which we didn't expect at all. Um, and Boyd Cordner's back in as well. Does change Angus Crichton's side, but I don't think that's going to matter too much to him. Um, for the Raiders, though, Hodgson's gone for the year, which is disappointing for Supercoach, but also real life especially. Um, so Havili earns a start. Um, We've got Tom Starling on the bench for him as well that's probably going to spell in for 20 or 30 minutes, I'd say. Simonson's gone, but they just put Rapana on there, so it's a pretty good replacement. Tapani's name to start, but will probably get benched again because that's what's happened for a couple of weeks. So, I mean, with this Roosters and, and Raiders game, the first thing is the vice-captaincy and captaincy options. Obviously, you mentioned the vice-captaincy for Tedesco rather than the straight-out captaincy. I'm probably going to do the same thing, but I mean... It's it's easy enough for me to do because my AE is going to be fine. Um, obviously, you're doing the vice captaincy VK, but do you see any issue with people just going the straight C? Oh, absolutely not. Even if he gets like a seventy or an eighty, which is nowhere near what he's been getting recently, that's still a cracking score for a captain. It's just uh, you know these Teddy owners that have had him from the start have been spoiled with these one ninety nines and one seventies and all of that. That it, it's worked so well for them. Um, it, it, there's nothing wrong at all, um, you know, putting that C straight on them because it, it's worked so well in the past. It, it, the only issue is when I when I look at my sorry when I look at my reserves, it's not it's not that high a risk when I've got so many players out. I've almost got a, a free crack at it, knowing that I haven't got any real stinkers. Probably Josh Kerr with a 35 or Toby Rudolph with with around about the same. So um, yeah, that that's why I'm just going to do it. But um, yeah, there's I reckon putting the straight C on it's it's worked a treat. Why fix that? Yeah, it, I don't see any issue with it at all. Probably the a little strategy segue I'll say though is I think one of the advantages now with the VC, you know, Teddy's ownerships for the last three weeks I think it's gone up 15 or so percent. So he's become pretty highly owned now. He's in the 40s in ownership percentages. Um, every a lot of people are going to straight see him now. You know that that tricks out of the bag. You know, people started doing it already. So there's going to be he's going to be the most captain guy. Like last week, I was really surprised when I looked around and he was 22% captained, and then he also had a you know a heap that were vice captaining him as well. I was really surprised because normally you kind of get the jump on people with the straight C with the first game, but it doesn't seem to be happening with Tedesco. So. The bit of the strategy on it is that if you go to the VC with so many people captaining him, if he pulls up a 65 or 70, which is still fine, you can kind of get a jump on the crowd, the captaincy crowd, and, and get a, a captain that's going to go for probably more than that later in the round. So I, I guess that's where I'm coming at it from as well. Yeah, that's a, it's pretty good logic there. Uh, so as far as this game, I, I mentioned VK. I'm expecting the Roosters to go pretty well again. Uh, the... The Canberra side's pretty shot, um, and we are playing not at GIA Stadium, but at our home ground for the Roosters. So at the SCG on a Thursday night, 
uh, with how Tedesco's running and the boys were clicking last week. A couple of guys back in Morris and, and Cordner as well. I'd be playing all my Roosters. I'd be benching all my Raiders. And I think that the Roosters can, can win 20-plus because I just don't think this Canberra side's the one that made the grand final last year. Yeah, it's just... It- it's definitely worth taking into account that um, it's been absolutely bucketing down here for the last two days. So it's supposed to clear up, not tomorrow, the next day, but I, I don't know the nick that that SCG is being kept in. But, um, look, you just never know. It could be one of those games. But as far Teddy still performs well in all conditions. So, um, yeah, you, you definitely sort of be going ahead with him, like as far as the captaincy options or anything like that. It's just, you know, whether or not and how much this wet weather sort of stifles the attack of the roosters. Yeah, uh, that's a really good point about the weather. So people should probably check that out. Um, If it's bucketing down, maybe the VC is going to be the safer option. Um, Storm versus Titans is the next one. And that's the first Friday night game. Storm's got Munster named um, as being back. But they do have Riley Jackson jersey 20, so I'd be keeping note of that for anyone that wanted to trade in uh, Munster. Brandon Smith starting again, which makes him a little bit interesting. Um, and Momorowski slides to the wing with Lee at centre. So on the Titans side of things, both former Moore's named to start in the second row again. Bryce Cartwright's been dropped outright, so that just <laughs> seems to be the story of Cartwright's career at the moment. He's just... Dropped bench, starting second row, starting centre, dropped, you know, it just keeps happening. But uh, you, honestly, you you can't see anything but a bloodbath in this one, surely. The, it's got to be the Storm all the way, right, VK? Well, yeah, especially because the Storm don't have to travel. Uh, it's round about where, you know, where they've based themselves up there. And it's just so unfortunate that Cam Smith, with a break even of 116, um, is playing the Titans on a week like this, where I, I think he's going to go really well. So I just need, I needed one or just one more week, and then I was going to sort of, I think I'm going to upgrade Coruscant for a little bit of a pod move to try and uh, get him in. But uh, I think he'll, uh, he could get close to that 116. So I don't think you can go near Munster returning from an injury as a, as a C option, and even a VC option. I, I, I probably wouldn't do it either. Cam Smith's an interesting one, though. If you VC Teddy and it doesn't work out, Cam Smith is, is probably an option, like you said. I guess the one question, though, is if they end up up, you know, 20 or 30 points, does he take a, a rest and, um, and Brandon Smith goes to hooker? Well, that's something that, you know, our super coaches have been worried about for years, but that rarely happens, and it only usually happens, like, from 70 minutes onwards. Yep. So I, I don't think that's that's too much to worry about. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Riley Jackson's up on the bench as well to give him that flexibility to, especially with Munster coming back from injury. 50 or 60 minute mark, I could see Munster coming off if Jackson's on the bench as well. Yeah, that seems the more likely, uh, scenario. Uh, one guy that is a bit of an interest before we move on on this game, um, Josh Adokar's like low 300s to purchase at the moment. Has, hasn't had a good year at all. A couple of people have mentioned him. I actually looked at him because I needed someone in that sort of 300 range that could kind of get a bit of quick cash and that I could play at the moment because my centre wing's so bad. I looked at his numbers. He just really doesn't seem to be hitting much attack this year. Um, he doesn't seem to be running as much either. But in saying that, this is a round where he could score a double against the Titans. Is he a guy that might be interesting just for this matchup or two before you can move him on in a few weeks? 
Look, he's a massive gamble, but he's a he, he could be a cracking option. I've, there hasn't been too many years over the last sort of five or so years that I haven't written about him at some point about being a pod, you know, because he sometimes he goes on runs of getting a hundred three times in three games. So it, I think it'll it'll depend heavily on whether Munster's back, but even Munster doesn't seem to link with him as he sort of has in the last couple of years, but. Look, that's a that's quite a handy shout that one, but um, yeah, just that touch too risky for me. Yeah, he's he's three hundred fifty odd k. He does need the double, and that's the thing that turned me off because I was looking for someone cheap. But fifty two points last week with a try, he kind of needs that second one. He could do it against the Titans, so um, I'm I'm thinking that it's a twenty point win for the Storm though, as far as my prediction on this one. Yeah, it seems pretty accurate. Tigers versus Broncos is the the next one, and. This one we've got Luke Brooks dropped, um, which is interesting. I didn't really see it coming. But um, we've got Benji Marshall back in the fray, which is good. Um, Billy Walters, for those that held him, he's he's going to start to repay owners that couldn't trade him out the last five or six weeks. Um, Tommy Talao's back in the side of the wing as well. A few other little insignificant changes. I, I guess the big thing for the Broncos side is that um, they've got a whole heap of injuries with Glenn out. Ben Teo starting, but he looks like a trap. He's not going to be able to play too many minutes. Coates and Nui look like they're carrying injuries as well. Uh, Farnworth has been named, but looks like he might not play. The Broncos are just in all sorts. They, they did well to get a win last week, but yeah, I thought that they might be able to go on to it this week. But with all these injury concerns, the, the Tigers might be in form like they were against the Cowboys and, and do something like a 30-point half if the Broncos don't turn up. Yeah, look, I'm not sure. I have no idea what's going to happen at this game. And we talk about the amount of rain that's come. Uh, Leichhardt Oval doesn't exactly hold the, <laughs> hold, hold heavy rain too well. So, you know, there is that a chance that this could be a little bit of a, a, a super coach stinker from that point of view. Just going back on the Broncos, I just saw he wasn't named again. Do you have any idea what's happening with Katoni Staggs? Because embarrassingly, I've held him through everything. <laughs> just <laughs> back, thinking I've got this absolute gun pod and uh, yeah, he just keeps burning me. Uh, another week, apparently. They, they've said that they're going to be cautious with the injuries. I think that they've They've almost conceded, it seems, that they're just going to be cautious rather than push guys in early to try and push into the eight. So, I mean, they've said the same thing with Fafita now. He's had a bit of a setback, and he's going to be two to three weeks away now, and apparently Staggs is at least a week away, if not two. So, yeah, it's it's frustrating. You've held him this long, though. I guess you've got to wait another week. Uh, look, I've, I've thrown around a few options of uh, get, getting rid of him, but you're exactly right. You hold him this long, you, you might as well just keep going. <laughs> David Nofaluma, you mentioned earlier, he's the one that I would highlight for this matchup. He's scoring a lot of tries this year. Even in his bad games like on the weekend, he's pretty much a, like a 50-point player, even in his poor performances. He's... He's looking like a great garden centre wing for this round. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a double against the Broncos. Um, he's a completely mad pod captaincy option, but if you didn't end up going Teddy or your VC Teddy, um, I could see Nofo being a complete pod option as a as a bit of a captaincy hand grenade. Yeah, well, look, Nofo. Look, not for me, and I'll tell you why. Nofo uh, this year um, it just sort of shown his base stats have always been good. But last weekend he showed exactly, you know, why he's one of those top four centre wings. This is just, in my opinion, he was just incredible with his base stats. 
I think he is actually losing a lot and will continue to for the next little while without Leilua in the side. Leilua just must have that. You, you see what's happened to Jordan Rapana since he's gone. Um, I think that what Leilua does for someone, uh, you know, those wingers, um, I, th- I think there's a bit to be said for that. So I'm actually happy he's got that break even of 130, come down a little bit, and then he will be in and, and he'll stay because even – his base stats put him apart from um, a, a lot of the others, I think. Yeah, and look, in two weeks' time, he's got the, the Warriors, so good chance he's around the 550k mark for that round 12 trade-in. So he's going to be great for that. Um, if anyone if anyone has him, though, geez, it's going to be a great centre-wing performance this week. I'm, one of my big big um, calls for this one is that I reckon Nofo's going to go for a ton against the Broncos. Right, any time for me then. Any time try a scorer. He's in my, <laughs> he's in my multi with kick out. <laughs> oh, mate, there's, there's a couple of pearlers this week. No post is free money. Get on Sportsbet. Free money. Gamble responsibly, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think the Tigers will, will do the Broncos just because of the injuries in this one, mate. And I, I, I just sort of think that last week was a bit of state of execution for Seabold. I think that they're going to get done pretty well at Leichhardt Oval. Yes, I, uh, I think, I think you could be right there. Dragons Bulldogs. Now, this one is interesting for some different reasons. Dean Pays quit, but was going to get fired anyway. Um, just a little football segue, because we like to throw in some football talk on here as well. I've disagreed with a few people online, so I'm interested about your opinion on this. I just, I found that the, um, some of the media just sort of came up with this narrative that Dean Pay's really hard done by, and he, he shouldn't he shouldn't have ever gotten sacked. And some of them saying he should have got a three year contract, that, which would have given him six years as a head coach. And I, I've just so disagreed with it that I'm interested in your opinion, mate. To me, the Bulldogs have gotten worse year on year. They're staring at the wooden spoon. They're worse than last year. People say that he didn't get the roster that he wanted, but no coach ever does. He still made roster moves to get rid of people like Reese Martin, who was the number one goal kicker in the comp, and he's probably his best forward. Hoppelardi, who we've all known, has been a great fullback, and he's got DWZ in over from Penrith and made him a fullback in a side that can't attack. DWZ can't create anything for anyone else, and Hopper can. There's been a lot of personnel decisions I think he's made. I don't expect him to make a grand final, but there's more to a coach's job to me than getting the wins and making a grand final. If you're going into a side that you can't win a grand final in, you'd expect him to have... I don't know, developed one of the four young halves that he had or some other guys or built some some young guys up and gotten them better. Changed the attack in the last three years, which hasn't happened. Like, to me, you've got to do something. You can't just turn up and just expect to keep getting a another extension, especially in the NRL. Yeah, look, it's definitely results-driven, but I just think... Um... Look, he's copped a bit of a he's copped a fair bit of bad luck. Firstly, with the, I think Kieran Foran changes that team remarkably, and he's been just riddled with injury over the last couple of years. He's also had uh, boneheads, you know, um, stuffing up and having to get their contracts torn up on um, on sort of preseason tours and stuff like that. So, look, he, has, he hasn't had much help on that front. But, um, yeah, look, I, I think the Reese Martin thing, we were all sort of baffled by that. Um, that's about all I can, I can give to you for that, mate. I just, um, yeah, not really too sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, I guess, I mean, I've probably come across 
like I hate Dean Pay a few times, but I, I think he's a great bloke. He seems like a really good bloke and a really solid one, and he seemed like a really good assistant coach. It's just that you, you've got to get results or do something, and results aren't just wins. Like he, he hasn't developed those halves, and the attack stunk for two and a half years. So you've got to do something. But anyway, yeah, with the development of the halves, that that, that is a big one. Lachlan Lewis off fell has gone backwards. Like he, there's just nothing to him really, except a, a, a kicking game. So uh, yeah, there's a couple of good points there. And he threw Marshall King in at nine, which was another half, and he he did buy Jack Cogger as well. So I mean, it's, and I, by no means do I think the board or the Bulldogs have run well either. Like probably a few people deserve to lose their jobs, but I certainly don't see how Dean Pay was going to get extended for another three years. In, but in saying that, the Dragons actually Mary McGregor. Like someone could have construed us as talking about Mary McGregor if they just tuned in. He's kept his job, and they're actually going really well now. The Dragons the last couple of weeks. It's a bit of an interesting matchup because sometimes the the play the the teams that lose their coach actually step up and generally do get some wins to sort of stick it to them. Um, the Dragons have been playing better the last couple of weeks. Do you think that the Dogs turn up angry and sort of really put in now that Pay's gone, uh, or do you reckon that they're just going to fold now and the Dragons are going to do what they did to Manly last week? Well, remember the Dogs. Um, late last season, about the last eight games, where they couldn't make the eight, and they were just offloading and throwing it around, and they, they went on that run. Yep. That's the sort of thing I'd be worried about as a Dragons fan. That side coming out again, because it's almost a free week, isn't it? It's an interim, you know, with the coach and everything like that. It's just go out there, throw the ball around, and see what you can do. And I think even you know when some of these teams that don't have the ability to play so structured can just be a little bit loose. It sometimes it sort of pays off for them. Yeah, it does. Whether they actually go that way, we'll have to wait and see. Um, I, I think that the Dragons are going to win it. Um, I have no idea by how much, but I'm going to be tipping the Dragons for the win. Um, I don't think that there's going to be any VC or C options in this one, though. Hey, look, just maybe an outside, a bit of a smoky. Uh, Lomax, the gift that keeps on giving... Uh, Looking at the team list, it looks like he's going to come up against Holland. And he just seems to be sort of uh, finding points recently. It's, it's a real smoky, like as if you're not going to captain or VC Teddy if you own him or, or one of those Storm players. But, yeah, just something to throw out there. Yeah, he, he's been killing it the last few weeks. He's averaging 80-something points. And um, I, I don't ever want to hear Lomax's name again because I sold him early. So <laughs> it just kills me every week. Oh, no. Uh, See, I, I nearly, I was a, a coin toss at the start of the year of leaving him out, and I thought, and then I just sort of stayed with it because there were so many other issues, and then he's just gone on this run, and yeah, he's sort of getting better every week. Yeah, a couple under the radar ones to keep our eye on for this one, and really these are the only interesting things to look at for this game. Um, Luke Thompson um, had his first game last week, 450k front row forward. He's probably going to keep getting more minutes and more opportunities, so interested to check him out this week again. Uh, Raymond Fatala Mariner, which one of the listeners actually brought up with me when I hadn't even looked at him about three weeks ago, was about 400k, and he's now well into the 500s and, and uh, been averaging 60s over the last few rounds. Those guys are actually uh, pretty interesting in a pack that hasn't been very good. And also, um, I guess the other news is, you know, if someone like CHN comes back into the side miraculously in a week, he starts to become a bit interesting too. So the, the Bulldogs pack might have some guys come alive in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, that Thompson was a, was an interesting one. I only sort of saw snippets of that game and I, I saw him, you know, run decoy a lot, but he, 
I think he's going to be just fine in the NRL. And um, we've got one more week to see, you know, what minutes he plays there and then just whether or not he's that option in the front row position. Yep. And we'll finish off on this game with our sports peak plug again. Ravalawa, anytime try scorer. He's the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, four out of his last five games, he's scored a try. Um, the last time he played the Dogs, he didn't, which to me says that this time he's due. So I'm all over Ravalawa for this one. Right, we're going to have to have a joint one this weekend, I think. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Rabbits versus Knights is the next one. Um, obviously, Latrell Mitchell suspended, um, and Campbell Graham got ruled out as well, which oh, I actually think he's been playing pretty well. Johnson's gone to fullback, and we've got um, Jackson Paulo on the wing as a cheapy option that we can watch. And on the other side of things for the Knights, Connor Watson, uh, Mitch Barnett, both returned from injury, which are going to make a huge difference. Um, Saifidi is a gun that's gone, though, so he's one of the most traded-out players. Completely understand why. I'm With the, the changes that the Bunnies have and the fact that they haven't looked great, mate, I, I actually see the Knights doing a bit of a bounce back here. And it's not like... I, I think if it was a month ago... I would have considered putting the captaincy on Kalen Ponga. Obviously, you can't at all now, but this this shapes is a perfect bounce back game for the Knights, I reckon. Absolutely, you've got uh, if, if they haven't been, you know, new blokes in a position in that back line. There's been a positional swap. The only one that's got his usual position, it looks like, is um, you know consistently there is Cody Walker Reynolds and then James Roberts, and he hasn't even been that consistent. So there's a lot of movement around that pack, and I think. That's why. That's why another reason why I, I am going to choose to hold on to Kalen Ponga this week. And I, look, I did say earlier it's the daytime game. It's the five thirty game. So um, apologies for that. Oh, that's that, that's close enough to daytime. Still, it'll still be light out, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the last thing on here too. I, I forgot to mention Corey Allen's on the on my on the other wing as well. So they got two young wing, wingers in Allen and Paulo, and really like. It, the rabbits look pretty short, so I reckon the Knights are going to win this 10+. Plus. And on Sportsbet, there's $2 outsiders as well for the Knights. So, Kalen Ponga, I'm actually looking forward to playing this week. Yep. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll share that optimism with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sea Eagles versus Eels is our next one, and this one's over Lotto Land. Um, Seagulls were pretty bad last week. There isn't really any big changes for Supercoach purposes um, for either side. I guess the good news is that Junior Paulo's playing again. Um, and that wasn't really clear last week, but he had a back injury, and um, that's why he only played the 29 minutes. I think that the thing for this one is, like, the Seagulls have been in some horrid form the last month, VK, and getting done by 30 points against the Dragons last week... I don't really see any way out of it, even playing at Lotto Land. Like, with with Turbo out and Dylan Walker out, they just seem to be really struggling for points. Do you see them turning it around this week from the last month of football, or do you think the Eels are really going to put it on them? I had the Seagulls as a smoky about a month ago before Turbo went down for a you know, I was so confident to, you know, throw a few bucks on them for top four finish again. Since he's gone, they're just they're just a total different team. Uh, once again, we talked about, you know, if this rain continues, Brookie Oval's another, you know, sort of mud pit. So I guess you need to consider that with, with the attacking players. But I, I don't see them turning it around. The only thing that they have in their favour is a forward pack that knows how to sort of get in the grind and, you know, maybe they're going to have to try and sort of change up the way they play, simplify it a little bit more to try and, you know, get 
even get close to matching it with this para side. Yeah, I'm I'm so happy that I got some para players for this one. Um, Madison has gone 94, 64, 96, 91, 94, 90 plus four out of his last five games, and three yeah. out of his last five games he scored a try on that edge as well. I see him going over again against the Seagulls. I, I again, the, the, we keep repeating it, but if you're going to VC Teddy, which a lot of people won't, uh, I think Madison's genuinely an option every week at the moment. Yeah, agreed. Sebo uh, for a doubles, my other big call for this one was disappointing on the weekend. I reckon he's going to make up for it entirely this week too. So I can't wait. I'm going for the Eels at uh, 16 plus winners. Sebo and Madison tries huge. Yeah, score. that. I'm actually death riding uh, Gutho in this one. Obviously, he's been great for me the last couple of weeks, and and I'm selling him early. But even if he even if he gets ninety, he, he, he's still only going to make an extra fifty k. And if with Teddy a break even a fifty, I, I just had to make that move. He's he's my only chance. Oh, any way that you can get Teddy, you get him. Even if you got to sell Gutho, you do it. I will throw in there though, VK. Gutho is against his old club. And he has stepped up against him in the past as well, so could be another. No, don't throw game. anything like that in, please. <laughs> no, I, I think Parramatta will win comfortably, but I, I hope Gutho's not involved in any of it either. You know, like I'll, I'll finish on something crazy here. I was saying that I was looking at crazy options, sort of three hundred to three hundred fifty k. Blake Ferguson hasn't scored a trial year. Is like three hundred thirty grand. I considered just throwing him in out of frustration because I couldn't find anyone at my price point. <laughs> so. <laughs> I still might do it this week. I, I, he's got to score a try eventually. I started the season with him. Don't do it. Don't do it. Ever since he put that toe on the line in round one um, against Canterbury uh, and he did that backflip for no reason, he's just gone. He's been a left-out man. And especially I don't know, on the uh, in the madness of uh, trying to... Uh, get my little fella ready after his bath and to bed. And I was so excited about round one. I was listening to the countdown show and, you know, Cobes did enough to convince me that, you know, he was my man, Fergo, bring him in, bang, let's put the VC on him. So we got some excitement and it turned out being the captain. So that's how my season started. Oh, so. no. <laughs> yeah. Schoolboy error. Absolutely schoolboy error. <laughs> oh, well, you probably never own Ferguson again. So let's move on from that one. Um, Warriors and Sharks is the second last game of the round. Uh, this one, we've got Cody Nikarima back for them. Um, CHC dropping out. Alisi Katoa is back for the Warriors, um, which is interesting because I thought that he had some more to give and he's starting straight back in the starting jersey, which is good news. Um, on the other side of things with the Sharkies, we've got Toby Rudolph starting at lock with Jack Williams dropped. Had some terrible hands last week, Jack Williams. And uh, Fafita's out as well, but he hasn't really been doing too much. Militalo is returning on the right wing, and that right-hand side does seem to be getting a lot of tries, so Militalo might be an option for any time try scorer. Uh, but, mate, I, I, it's really hard, this one, because I put this one on the calendar as an SJ 100-point 100, 100 game, but the way that the Sharks played last week, it's really concerning. Look, I still think that they'll put it on the Warriors, but the Sharks were abysmal last week. Uh, yes, they were total different to how they'd been. Um, I'm really excited um, to see Toby Rudolph, not just because I own him. I just love watching the guy the way he plays. So hopefully he gets a little bit of a stint and might get a bit of a resurgence for those that still own him there. 
playing against the club that he, he signed a, a deal with, which I'm not sure if it actually went through or not, because it kind of went quiet that the, he signed a Warriors deal for three years. So whether he's still going or not, I don't know. But that's probably a bit of extra motivation for him as well. Um, on the Warriors side too, speaking of motivation, um, we've got a few of these guys, including Ken Mamolo and Fusatua who, uh, and Parsi, who are going back to New Zealand shortly. So this is going to be one of their final games. So it could be that they maybe step up for those guys, um, or maybe that they've just sort of thrown the towel in a little bit and a couple of guys are going home and they don't put in. It's, it's really hard to tell. Um, but yeah. if I was going to go for a complete pod option, uh, I mentioned earlier Sean Johnson against his old side. Sean Johnson's gotten at least a try line break assist in every game since the restart, leading the league in it. Um, so I, I think that he could, could definitely go the 100 plus. Yeah, and another one to just sort of keep an eye on over the next couple of weeks, obviously not this week playing off the bench, is old uh, Jazzy Jeff Tavaga. He's um, coming off the bench again. Surely he won't be, uh, you know, there for too long, and um, he could be an option for the back end of the season. Yeah, he's, he's a really good shout because he'll probably drop money for a few weeks in a row, and Carl Lawton's the starting 13 at the moment, and that's not going to continue. Um, so it, he should come in pretty cheap in, in a few weeks' time. So he's a really good watch. Um, yeah, and, and even though he's been injured, you know, he's, I think there's so much to say about these guys coming in relatively fresh. You know, it's, it's around about 10 rounds into the competition, we're starting to see guys get a week off for origin. And now all of a sudden, they've, especially the forwards, you know, the ones that are playing these big minutes, they've just got to keep rolling it over week in, week out. And I, I really think that's also something else you're going to have to sort of consider or prepare yourself uh, for the back end of the season. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, I'm going for the Sharkies for 16-plus winners in this one. I do think that they'll put it on the Warriors and have a bit of a bounce back. How are you seeing this one going? Yeah, so I'm uh, actually uh, willing that to happen as well with uh, Johnson in at my halves. So the last game of the round is the Panthers versus Cowboys. Um on the Panther side of things, uh, Charlie Staines, who we mentioned, is going to be out. So even if you wanted to go to him for a bit of a cash grab after his four-try debut performance, um, you're going to have to wait until he gets back after his COVID breach. Nader moves to centre, Fare returning. For the Cowboys, Holmes is out for eight to ten weeks, replaced on the wing by O'Neill. That means that the Hammer has got the fullback job probably for the year, but VK is coming off. 12 points on the weekend. He had 11 and he had a massive one-point update to 12. <laughs> yeah, I avoided the hammer and I've been a little bit worried about it. But, um, yeah, I think that inconsistency is going to sort of hurt a few people when it comes to, um, you know, when it comes to trying to use that VC loophole. So I I think that a lot of people got caught out by that on the weekend because uh, there was a lot of Teddy um, VC is it obviously got him as a, a loophole AE, so that would hurt. But I think that this week that the Panthers are really at Penrith Stadium going to turn it on for the Cows again. Like, if they've put up 54 points against the Sharks last week, I can't see them putting up much less against the Cowboys. I, I really think the Cowboys are in for some misery this year. Yeah, look, me too. And look, correct me if I'm wrong here, but so they're the second game on Sunday, but apart it's changed in previous weeks. The second game's actually the four o'clock match. So to come from North Queensland, from Townsville, that is a long day and an early day of travel for the four o'clock game. Yeah, it's a really good point. Like normally other weeks they'd have the 6.30 kickoff, but this is a four o'clock one, even though it's the last round of the, the last game of the round. So really good point because uh, 
I've holidayed in North Queensland a few times from Sydney, and I tell you what, it's a bit of a journey. It's a fair trek. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I guess they, they, they won't be stopping in at the Crossroads Hotel for a pub lunch before the game. Uh, <laughs> to go somewhere else. Um, a couple of guys, a, a bit of a pod option as well. Um, we're talking about fullbacks, and if you really did want to jump off a ponga or something, Dylan Edwards put up a ton last week, and he's looked really good for a few weeks now. He looks like the Dylan Edwards that we sort of expected to come through two years ago, and he just sort of stunted in his development and had some injury problems, but he deserves a shout-out. He, he's been really good, and for 530k, um, his first three games he came back and did 63, 68, 55, and he scored 126 against the Sharkies. Massive game. And he scored three weeks in a row now a try. So whether it's a, a sports bet bet on uh, outside or on Edwards that's gone three in a row or, or whether you want to consider another fullback option at 530k, 13BE, I reckon he's definitely going to go nuts again this week. Yeah, look, he's a real confidence player, I think. And he, he's riding quite high at the moment, as you said, getting over. Once again, just... For people interested, I know Rob Sutherland brought him up and he is all over him. He's a big chance of bringing him in. And um, uh, that draw against North Queensland, uh, sorry, the Cowboys this week, Titans and then Manly, I think that's also something that sort of, you know, makes that quite a uh, interesting trade there. Yep. Uh, I, if, if I wish he was still a centre wing, I'd bring him in a centre wing for sure. Josh Mansour is centre wing though, um, and he's now below 500k. Has a big break even, but he might he might be in for a decent score. He started the season on fire. He's still been going pretty well. He's dropped off a little bit. Do you? We've been talking about centre wings quite a bit on this pod. Do you see him as a bit of an option at 499k? Is potentially you know bringing him in over a Stephen Crichton or something, or or you like the Crichton upside and the the money that he's going to make? Well, I, the, here's the difference, and this is a bit strange. If I'm bringing Mansour in, from what I've seen from Mansour this year, which is what I feel like is the Mansour of old, you know, the, the base that beast and also being on the end of a, of a back line that actually passes to him now, um, I, if I bring Mansour in, he's not for a cash grab. He's for the season because I, I really like the way he's gone. And it was actually... And I'm so happy I've made the right choice. Two weeks ago, it was Gutho or Mansour, and I, lucky I went for Gutho, but Mansour was the one I sort of had in my team the whole week. So I really rate him as one of those, even as the fifth centre there, to, to, to get in and chop and change, whereas Crichton, for me, as I've said, and due to his inconsistency, even though he's a red-hot talent, is to be that springboard to someone higher. Yep, good call. Um, Nathan Cleary has had some massive scores in the past, 160 pluses previously before as his highs, uh, but he seems to do it every year where he has like a sort of 140 plus type of scoreline. Hasn't had one of those ones yet, although he's gotten to the ton mark. Um, this really, this really looks like the week that he could, he could do something like that. So if I VCTD and it doesn't work, even though I have mentioned some other options, I think that he's the second best captaincy option this week, Nathan Cleary. Yes, I'd uh, have to agree with you on that one. So I'm, I'm going to go for a 28-plus uh, Panthers victory. I think they're going to absolutely tower the Cowboys up. Good prices for that. I took the Roosters at, I think, minus 27.5 last week for $5, and that worked out just right. <laughs> Only just. Uh, Beautiful. Panthers, Panthers, I reckon, will be pretty similar, BK. So that's the last one of the round, though, mate. So 
thanks for jumping on. Um, appreciate having being able to have a chat to you again about footy and everything. No worries. Always a pleasure to come on. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, you can download us or, or stream on SoundCloud and also iTunes where you can subscribe as well. You can follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. Uh, as always, make sure you don't do your trades until the very death because there's some interesting matchups and uh, changes that could be happening this week. Good luck with your search for tons and we'll chat again next week.